Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Pursuing Jesus Podcast. My name is Shane Winnings, and uh, it's been a minute. I've been traveling, I've been teaching at a ministry school up in Washington State, and uh, preaching at a couple different places. And so I'm back, I've been on tour with Sean Foyt, it's been incredible. If you're not following us as we travel to every state capital, we're literally worshiping on the steps or right across the street from some of these state capitals, and we're we're praying, we're we're calling people to repentance. I mean, it's been incredible so far, and we're picking up the second leg here on Friday. You guys got to follow. Uh, let us worship. Follow T P U S A Faith. That's Turning Point U S A Faith. Um, or you can just go to the website KingdomToTheCapital.com. And uh, we're coming to every state, so please don't DM me and say, well, are you coming to Wisconsin? Yes, we're coming to every single state. We'll be at the state capitals, and you can find the schedule there. Guys, um, thanks so much for listening. Today we're going to be talking about living unoffended. This is one of my favorite series, and I feel like I have a new revelation on a piece of it, so I just want to share it. It won't be too long, but um, I'm excited to get some content out today and really just hopefully help people um, understand, you know, how we can truly live this unoffended life. And so, listen, if this has blessed you, um, I've been asking people to consider partnering with our ministry. I do want to hire a videographer um, to uh, follow me through some of my travels, some of my teachings, uh, to be able to create more content. You know, I just taught for four days up in Washington State, and we saw... Uh, seven or eight miracles uh, the second night when I preached on healing. I wish I had like really good footage of this stuff. And if I had a videographer, I could pay someone to travel with me and actually be a part of our nonprofit overcomers. So uh, please consider giving, uh, being one of our, our, our givers that give a dollar a day or $30 a month. Um, for those who, who do that, we are inviting you to be a part of our, our monthly donor Zoom, which is coming up this week. And um, it's just a time for us to catch up and, and answer questions, go back and forth, just meet each other, and just to say thank you for sewing into us. And finally, uh, and if you want to do that, you can sign up at shanewinnings.com, but make sure you send me a DM on Instagram so we can include you. Finally, the Overcomer School, I've been talking about it. Well, due to some very positive, unforeseen circumstances, which I can't say anything about right now, as well as my increased involvement on the tour around the nation, I'm not going to be able to do the in-person. However, we are making it a one-week intensive private Zoom call. The The Kingdom School will be happening over Zoom. Uh, there's a You no longer have to get yourself to Dallas. I still want to do an in-person uh, but it will probably have to be next year. However, we can do more um, virtual ones. It's not my favorite. I'd rather be in person, but for now, that's what we'll do. That's going to be one week long, July 10th through the 14th. Uh, that's a Monday through a Friday, 8 a.m. to noon. And if you want to be a part of that, send me a DM so I can get you the application because you have to fill out an application. You have to be accepted. Uh, there will be a tuition of $100 and you're in. And uh, we're going to keep the, the group relatively small because we want to have plenty of time for questions each day. So please send me a DM um, if you're interested in applying for that uh, Kingdom School in July. All right. We're talking about living unoffended. Now, I've, I've done plenty of episodes on this, 
I've preached plenty of messages on this, but something kind of stuck out to me this weekend when I was preaching. And here's the revelation, because I was, in in talking about living unoffended, you have to get into uh, forgiving. You have to get into releasing bitterness and releasing resentment and and judging. And, you know, you may have been betrayed or you may have been hurt or you may have been, you know, someone walked out on you or whatever. Who knows, right? We all face that kind of stuff. How are you going to respond? And I feel like this revelation that I got is it makes it so easy to see people the way that God sees them. And I kind of set it up like this. You know, the the reason, and we've covered this, but the reason Jesus could hang on the cross and say, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing, is because the Bible says that if you don't love, you don't know God. And so Jesus can actually see these guys who are murdering him, and he can see that they don't know God. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute, because when you've been beaten beyond recognition, when you've had your flesh torn off of your body, when you've had the crown of thorns driven into your head, when you've been just absolutely tortured, are you in a mindset where you're thinking about other people? Honestly, most of us, and I'm not being mean, I'm just, I'm trying to wake us up here. Most of us, if someone were to say a mean thing, especially if they're close, friend or family, you are instantly thinking about yourself. How could you say that after everything we've been through, after everything I've done for you? How are you going to say that to me? How could you, don't you know how that would make me feel? Well, I'm not even like that. We go into self-defense mode. And I'm not saying there isn't a place to, you know, wrong a right, like, or I'm sorry, (laughs) wrong a right. I'm not saying there isn't a place to right a wrong. Like if someone is saying lies, you can come out and say, hey, I I hear what you're saying, but like that's not true and here's why. Let's have a talk. That's a very different heart than taking things personal, looking inward, starting to feel bad for yourself, starting to look at the other person as a slanderer, this and that. Guys, if people just say the wrong thing to us, if they're close enough especially, it can really, we just let it rule our day let alone being beaten beyond description and have nails driven through our hands and feet and actively be dying and people are making fun of us. There isn't a person on this planet that would be thinking about other people and the condition of their heart. I, I, I pray that there are people on this planet. I pray that if that moment came, that that would be me. Because that's what I want to be formed in me. That's how I want my heart to be. That's how I want my mind to be. But it begins with people just saying mean things about you. Or it begins with being hurt. It begins with being betrayed. How do you respond to that? Think about this, guys. Jesus is dying on the cross. They're mocking him. And he's not having a pity party. He's not going, oh my gosh, you guys. I'm the son of God. How could you put me up here? All I did was perfect. All I did was good. All I did was raise the dead and cleanse the lepers and heal the sick and and cast out demons. All I did was preach the gospel of the good news to the poor. All I did... He wasn't up there building a resume. 
He wasn't up there saying, you're going to let me, you're going to let Barabbas go, but not me, you know, and just like, and he had all the, the worldly reasons to justify it. He didn't do that. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The first step to even being able to respond like Jesus is that your eyes have to be on others. If Jesus's eyes were on himself, then he never would have asked God to forgive those guys. But they weren't. Jesus never was considering himself. That's Philippians 2. He made himself no reputation. He, the Bible teaches us to, to not consider ourselves more highly than we ought. The Bible teaches us to consider the needs of others, not just the needs of ourselves. The Christian life is actually a life that is looking outward because we were created, Philippians 2 says, to shine as a light. A light doesn't exist for itself. A light exists to for others. In, in the, the realm of lighthouses, they serve as a guide, as a beacon, as a, even as a caution or a warning. Hey, the coast is right here. As a, a flashlight in, in that realm of that type of light, it serves to uh, provide light for a path to navigate, to, to help lead, to illuminate. It doesn't exist for itself. You were created to shine, and so your life is meant to be about others, not self. So the first step to responding like Jesus did in a moment of offense is to make sure your eyes are not on yourself. Now, how could Jesus say, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing? Because as we said, if you don't love, you don't know God. That breaks Jesus' heart. He's not hurting for people. He's He's not hurting because of people. He's hurting for people. Man, I'm backwards today. He's hurting for people. His heart is saying, my gosh, you don't even know who you are. You don't even know who you are. You don't even know the identity that God created you to walk in. You don't even know your value, your purpose, your destiny. You have no idea what you're doing. There's no way on earth you could know who I am. You're so lost. You're so deceived. God, please don't hold it against these people. They are so deceived, brainwashed by the world, raised by the wrong father, raised in the ways of the world. God, please don't hold this against them. They don't know what they're doing. That is how you respond in a moment of offense. And so I was preaching this weekend, and I was kind of breaking this down. This is the, this is the framework for this whole message because Jesus modeled it perfectly. And you saw the true followers of Jesus because Stephen, the first martyr, had this same response. As they were stoning him to death, he stood up and he said, Lord, please don't hold this against these men. Forgive these men for what they're doing. Like those who follow in Jesus' footsteps, they look like him. And we have that privilege. And so here is how you can see someone clearly because... I got a word of knowledge while I was preaching and I was talking about um, people who went through sexual abuse as children. And I mean, that's a, that's a tough one. I didn't want to go there. That's because that's just like, that's, you know, I haven't experienced that. And people get very offended and, and come to find out one of the people in the congregation almost left, but God provoked them to stay and they ended up getting wildly delivered, healed, and they were filled with joy by the presence of God. By the end, they were laughing. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. I was crying. Everyone was crying. It was so powerful. 
But in the moment I've given this word about, you know, so what if you were sexually abused in regards to how does that justify unforgiveness? Listen, I hear what happened. That is awful. Never should have happened. But I have to say this with the truth of God's word in my heart. Is there ever a reason to justify unforgiveness or bitterness or offense? And there's not. Because if that was so, then we do not deserve to be forgiven. We have offended God. Colossians 1 says we were hostile enemies towards him, that our whole lives were set against him because of sin, but he loved us anyways. He forgave what we did, and biblical forgiveness is forgetness. Forgetness as in when God sees us, he doesn't continue to look at us through the lens of what we have done. He sees what Jesus did, and it's amazing. We're made brand new in his sight, holy, blameless, and righteous. And so I'm saying, as human beings, what justification do we have to live in unforgiveness when we have been forgiven the greatest debt of all, sin against a holy God? We're just talking about sin between humans. We've sinned against a holy God, and he's forgiven us. How could we not turn around and forgive someone else, even though it was something despicable and horrible, and hey, we totally sympathize with the pain and the trauma that that caused but we know that there's healing in Christ and we know that we are called to forgive. And so I'm preaching on this. And all of a sudden I have this revelation. I said, how can you view your abuser that the way that God does? How can you look at your abuser and say, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Because I'm sure that if you're being sexually abused for years and years and years, it's very hard to think that this person doesn't know what they're doing. In fact, you think this person is sick, they're twisted, they know exactly what they're doing. They might be manipulating people or circumstances in order to continue to allow this to happen. No, they know what they're doing and they need to pay for what they're doing. Okay, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be consequences or justice because there always will be. Whether on this earth or in heaven, God is a God of justice. Amen? However... They don't know what they're doing. And here's how I can say that. And this is the lens you need to look at people through when they have hurt you. I said this. Imagine your abuser right now standing before God. And all of their life is laid out before a holy God. And they are about to receive judgment. I said, do you think your abuser regrets what he what he or she did of course i mean when you're standing in the presence of a holy god and everything you've done it's out in the open there's no secret and you are guilty in the presence of a holy god you will know and you will wish that you never did any of those things and you will see how you were so deceived into living for yourself and living for the flesh and letting the enemy just play you like a fiddle. And so I said, I want you to imagine your abuser right now in that position. Secrets laid bare, life completely exposed, standing before a holy God about to receive judgment. Do you think 
that they regret their decision. And every single person in that church said, yes. And I said, okay. So if there's a way to get them to regret it, then do they really know what they're doing right now? No. No, they don't. Because if they knew, truly, they wouldn't do it. And whether they experience that knowing on the earth or it takes to the moment that they stand before God and realize it there, and we pray that that's not the case because it will most likely be too late for them unless they already repented. I said, you have to see the people that have hurt you through that lens because your mind, the world, even your friends will say, hey, they know what they did. You don't, you don't need to do you You don't owe them anything. No, 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 no. You need to forgive because they don't know what they did. Because if they stood before God, they would know I never should have done that. And you have the great privilege now as a Christian to put them in that place and say, God, you could be honest. Say, God, this is so painful. My flesh is raging. My flesh wants vengeance. My flesh wants justice. My flesh wants to not forgive. It wants to be mad. It wants to cuss them out. It wants to whatever. My flesh wants all of these things. But God, I know that that is not who I am. I don't live by the flesh. I live by the Spirit. And God, I know despite what everything in the world and in my own flesh tells me, I know that these people, this person, whoever, they don't know what they were doing. Because if they truly knew, they never would have done it. So God, I'm asking you to help me as I release this person from unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment. God, help me to forgive. It doesn't mean I've got to have a warm and fuzzy feeling when I think about it. It doesn't mean I've got to send them a Christmas card or invite them over for dinner. It means I need to let this go. I cannot hold on to unforgiveness. I cannot hold on to bitterness any longer. I cannot hold on to offense any longer. I surrender it to you, God. I say, I forgive this person because I recognize that they don't know what they're doing. And God, I even ask you to reveal yourself to them because if they were filled with your spirit and your love, they'd never do anything like that again. They'd be a brand new creation. Come on, guys, that's it right there. That is how you begin to have a heart for the people that quote-unquote do not deserve it. That is how you begin to have a heart for the people like Paul, who used to murder Christians. Guys, we read it in the Bible. I don't know if it becomes real to you. Imagine someone going door-to-door in your neighborhood and asking them if they're Christians, and if they were, they killed them. I mean, that's horrific. You know, you're afraid. You hope they don't come to your house. Now imagine that same person having a radical encounter with God where God says, why do you persecute me? They have this amazing encounter. They give their whole life to God. They end up following him forever and being the author of many of the books of the New Testament. They end up teaching Christians. They end up being one of the greatest teachers in the Christian faith. Imagine, I really want you to imagine that. Make, make that real in your own neighborhood. It wasn't some 2,000 years ago. <coughs> make that real now. Isn't that hard to, to get your mind around that? Doesn't your flesh just want to be like, are you kidding me? This is the guy they're inviting to that conference. He used to kill people. Guys, this is what the world would say. But do you know what true believers say? You know what they said in the Bible? 
They didn't say, oh my gosh, here comes the murderer. Are you kidding me? I can't believe God gave him a platform. Sheesh. Why didn't he pick one of us? We've never killed anybody. They didn't say that. They gave glory to God because they said, wow, isn't this the guy that used to kill Christians and now he is a teacher? Now he's making, now he's planning churches. Now he's discipling. Oh my gosh, this is incredible. Look at what the power of God can do. He can transform the heart of a terrorist into a believer, not just that, but a leader of leaders within the faith. This is it, guys, and it requires a heart position that will not ever justify offense. You have to see people as though they're standing before God, and you know that everyone standing before God is sober-minded. You're very sober-minded. You are very aware of your shortcomings, and you wish you'd done a lot of things different. Well, let's start to view people that way. We'll give them a lot more grace. We'll, we'll show them a lot more mercy. That doesn't mean we'll tolerate what, what they're doing. That doesn't mean that people won't pay for what they've done and have consequences. That's true. Guys, if I go out and I decide to pick up drinking and then I start driving and I kill someone, how many of you know that I am forgiven by the blood of Jesus? That statement alone might offend people, but it's just the truth. I'm forgiven for, by the blood of Jesus. Now, do I have a consequence for that action? A hundred percent. There's the consequence in the natural where I'm going to go to jail probably for a very long time because I, I drank I drove and I killed someone. There's also the natural consequence of having to continuously battle shame and guilt because I did something I never should have done and it costed someone else a life. I mean, there's natural consequences, but could I be restored one day? Could I be restored to the place where I could begin to share testimony of how God transformed? Guys, this is how God works. He doesn't give up on people because they made a mistake, even if it's a horrific, life-costing, traumatic mistake. God doesn't give up on people. So we can't either. You have to view people through the lens of if they were standing before God, they'd be very sober-minded. They wouldn't be acting this way. God, please forgive them. Don't hold this against them. You haven't held my sin against me. Help me to see them rightly. I don't excuse what they're doing, but I don't condemn them for what they're doing. Amen? Man, I really hope this helps. Listen, we've got to get free. We can't keep living offended. We will not be effective. And when you live offended, you put a basket over your head and your light is shining for no one and you're ineffective as a Christian. So let's drop offense. We have no right. We have no justification. The one we follow had every right to be offended and he wasn't. His heart broke for people, not because of them. Amen? Hey, thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you tomorrow.